Hi, everyone. Hi, Hi everyone. Hi. Um, well, so I, I don't know about you, but the whole time change thing, uh, daylight savings time throws me off a little bit, especially this time around. The other one, we get to sleep. It still throws me off, but it's a little bit better. So I woke up like at 4 a.m. all like crazy, and it just, everything was weird at that time. But um, we, uh, we've been discussing uh, some, some amazing stuff in the Word of God, and uh, hopefully you've been here for all three of these parts uh, that I've entitled One Good Choice. Um, last week was, was really awesome. Um, God really spoke to us, and and I just want to continue and probably finish today uh, what the Lord has been uh, been speaking to to us about. And uh, today it comes with a little bit of a challenge for us because God is asking us to to do something. And um, so I want you to have your heart open to whatever the Lord Jesus is sort of speaking to you as I as I preach the word. Um, so let's just begin with prayer. If we can close our eyes and pray and just uh, pray for me, that the Lord would just speak through, through me today. Father, thank you once again, Lord, for this service. Thank you once again for this time. I pray, Lord, that uh, all hearts would be open to your word today, God, that we would receive from you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are here and that you will speak to us today, God. In Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. So we began our conversation like four weeks back now, and uh, we began with looking at Mary and how she would be at the feet of Jesus uh, when Jesus would come to her home. You guys remember that? Amen? So Jesus comes to Mary's house and Martha's house, and she would be at his feet hearing the word, the Bible says in the book of Luke chapter 10. And then we saw that Martha was troubled and worried about many things. And we uh, realized uh, through 1 Peter chapter 5 that we needed to cast our cares upon Jesus and not be worried and not be troubled because he has the answers for us, the guidance for us, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And so Mary is seen uh, in Luke chapter 10, if we can go there really fast just to kind of get the full picture here. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Let me know when you have it, please. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says, it says, there it is. And now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Amen? So we see her there uh, hearing the word of Jesus, and I, and I sense that Jesus is so willing to give it as well. And, and so should we. We should sense that Jesus is willing to speak to us when we're, when we're willing to listen to him. Amen? So she's there. Uh, Jesus loves Mary. Jesus loves Martha. She is being still and knowing that he is God, so she's 
being still, all the busyness of life, all the noise, all the worry, everything is away. She's cast it all out, and she's sitting there quiet, quieting her soul, listening to Jesus Christ, who is God. Amen? So here is Mary listening to Jesus, and she's having a good time. But there is Martha also who is like, Lord, are you going to tell Mary to help me serve? She's just kind of sitting there doing nothing from her point of view. But Mary is sitting there listening to the word, and Jesus tells Martha, 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 why are you worried and troubled about many things? Martha has chosen the good part, and it will not be taken away from her. Amen. Isn't that awesome? And last week we learned in John chapter 11, which we'll go into a second, but we learned that there was three parts to this story, okay? There was three parts to the story. There's three siblings that live in this house. There's Lazarus, there's Martha, and there's Mary. Lazarus is not mentioned when Jesus goes to the house in Luke chapter 10. Or by John 11, well, Lazarus is, is, dies in, in John 11. So Lazarus is not present, and we spoke to what that meant and what that looked like for some believers sometimes who are, not, who are not in relationship with Jesus Christ because of so many other reasons, because they've been hurt by church, because uh, they just want to live a certain lifestyle, but they're just absent from being in relationship with Jesus Christ. We saw that Martha was the busy bee that was just serving for serving's sake, amen? She was just busy. And we saw Mary, who is at his feet, listening to the word. And when the tribulation comes, when life happens, they all react differently. Well, Lazarus is in a grave. He's dead, and he needs life, and he needs resurrection. Martha is complaining. And Jesus, when Martha approaches Jesus, Jesus explains to her, who he is. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he tells her, do you believe me? And Martha responds with, yes, I believe that you're Jesus, that you're the Lord, and leaves. And Jesus, we saw that Jesus didn't move from that place, that Martha went to his, her sister and said, Mary, the Lord is here and he's asking for you, which he hadn't. But, but Mary runs out and, and Jesus hasn't moved from his position because he's waiting for someone to come with faith and not with information, but with revelation in their heart. So Mary falls at his feet. Jesus begins to weep and to groan in his spirit. And he goes and says, where is Lazarus laying at? Where have you laid him? I was going to follow Martha. I was going to talk more about Martha. It sounded good. And sometimes, you know, you think of stuff as you're preparing and you're like, wow, that sounds good. Because Martha, Martha relates more to our generation today. Like we're so busy and we're so occupied with things except Jesus. We don't prioritize our relationship with Jesus. So sometimes, sometimes our generation looks more like Martha than it looks like Mary. Amen? So I was going to go, I was going to say, I was going to break it down and what kind of things get in the way and Martha this and, and Martha that. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I think we all understand in our generation how, how we can be Martha sometimes. But what we need to follow is the example of how Mary was with Jesus. Amen. So we need to follow Mary. What is Mary doing? So let's go to John chapter 11. We're going to start here getting into... Uh, you know, material here, John chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Now, I love John here because John, 
He writes this gospel years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke was written. He writes this way later, and he, he, he's so different in his writing because he tells us what Mary does specifically here in John chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Now a certain man was sick. Now pay attention to this. Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. So Lazarus is sick. It was that Mary, this Mary, who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. This is the Mary that John is talking about, the same Mary that's at his feet when he comes to visit her house. This is the the sister of Lazarus, Lazarus who is sick and is dying. This is that Mary that has anointed Jesus Christ with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. Do you want to get to know this Mary? I do. I want to know her profile. I want to know what she likes. I want to know what Facebook likes she has. I want to know everything about Mary. I want to stalk Mary because Mary has a heart of a worshiper. Amen. Mary has a heart of a worshiper. Now, we've seen Mary in two parts so far. We've studied it. We saw Mary at his feet listening to the word. We saw Mary at his feet casting her cares when her brother died here in John chapter 11. But the Holy Spirit wants us to go see when Mary actually anoints Jesus with this fragrant oil. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26 now. And we're going to read the account of this woman. Now, I want you to notice the language. I'm reading New King James Version. I want you to notice the language in Matthew 26, verse 6. Let me know if you're there. Amen? If not, it's on the screen. I'm moving right along here. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, please pay attention to every detail that we're reading. When Jesus was in Bethany, that's the town of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? Leave it right there. Why this waste? Sometimes we think, and other people think, that a relationship with God, that going to church, that being in fellowship is a waste. But Mary, Mary doesn't think it's a waste of time. Mary doesn't think it's a waste of money. When you tell people that don't believe that you give money to the church, forget about it. So someone, one of the disciples, because not all of them said it at the same time, and I'm sure you can imagine who said it. Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. Why waste your time? You could be doing other things. Why waste your money? You could be buying things. You could be spending your time differently. Why waste it on Jesus? Give the money to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, 
He said to them, why do you trouble the woman? By the way, they're just not saying the name here, which kind of irks me a little bit. Like, Matthew, write the name. You know who it is. But anyway, for she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always. But me, you do not have always. Now, does this mean don't help the poor? No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is in the flesh. God in the flesh. He's right, sitting right there. It's not a waste. For in the pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, and man has this happened, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. And they say the Bible doesn't empower women. Jesus is at the house of Simon the leper. What a nickname they gave this guy. Because to be a leper in that day was the, one of the worst things. Tax collector, prostitute, and leper. All in the same category. These people were unclean. You couldn't touch them. They couldn't touch you. They were unclean. And when, they, when people were considered unclean back then, it was not just their physical body. It was everything about them was unclean. That's why when the blind man is sitting there blind asking for the Lord to heal him, the disciples say, who sinned, him or his parents? That's how they thought back then. So for someone to be a leper was the worst of the worst. So Jesus is at the house of the leper. Are you with me so far? Again, no mention of this woman's name. We know it's Mary because bless the Lord for John. He tells us who she is. It's Mary. This whole time it's been Mary. The one that sits at his feet, the one that has connection, deep connection with Jesus Christ. Deeper than you think. I can't wait to tell you. She begins to anoint him from his head. Now we read in John 11 that she anointed his feet and wiped his feet with her hair. But she also, according to this passage, anointed his head. Now you might think I am crazy nuts and very Pentecostal, but the other day when, when, I, when I was reading these, these things, I, I, uh, I, I was reading it at work, and I was like, wow. I was just like having my, my merry moment at work, and I came out of the elevator to, to open the door to the parking structure, and I, this smell hit my nostrils, that was so good, it smelled like, like if someone took a bunch of flowers, like good smelling flowers, and like put them in my face. And I was like, wow, someone's perfume smells really good. Like, but they really packed it on because I could smell it all around me. I was like, wow, somebody smells good. Like, wow. So I got in the car and, of course, ignorant, I'm not even thinking about anything remotely to the to anything and I I get home after my two-hour drive and, and of praising the Lord Jesus for my job and I get home and I get out of the car 
and it's the same smell. As soon as I get out, and I'm like, is it me? Still not putting it together. Because sometimes God is showing us things in the supernatural, and we're just so not used to it that we miss it. <laughs> and I didn't even put it together till like the next day. I thought just somebody, somebody must have planted some flowers today. My, no one has flowers in my neighborhood and in like that little street. So the next day I'm like thinking about this. Wait a minute. I think that was Jesus. This is worship, what Mary does. This is hosting his presence. This is intimacy. Although she is in public, this is considered to be a public place. She is in someone else's home. Okay, not her home. There's other people there. This is a public arena, a public situation. She don't care. She wants to worship God, Jesus Christ, wherever. Amen? Amen. So she anoints his head. And then somebody with some great uh, opinion says, you know, opinions, opinions sometimes are annoying, to be honest. Especially when they're just just an opinion. Okay? I understand constructive things. I understand spirit-led things. But man, for this person to just say, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of every costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as she sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. See, when God calls you to worship, to a lifestyle of relationship, there's going to be times where people are going to look at you like you're wasting your time. But you know deep inside that you're not. You're not wasting your time. You're serving the Lord. You're worshiping him. You're in relationship with him. This is not a waste of time or money or energy. And I know sometimes you could come to church. You can go to, you know, the gathering. You can go to things, and they feel routine. They feel mundane sometimes. But it's not a waste. What you're doing is you're planting seeds in the spirit. The Bible says, you know, what you sow in the spirit, you reap life. And sometimes sowing doesn't feel all the way good sometimes. Sowing just, it feels like you're going through motions, but you're sowing in the spirit. And you will reap life. Amen? So we see here that Matthew tells us there's this woman that anointed Jesus. And the disciples thought that she was wasting her time. He kind of generalizes everything. But I love John. Let's go back to John. This time we're going to go to John, not 11, but 12. <clears throat> I love this account. I love this passage. Are you there? Verse 1 through 7. Listen to this. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus 
was who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. Check this out. And Martha served. Bless you. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Let me read that again. Verse 2. There they made him a supper. And Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Wow, things have surely changed. Bless you. Now Jesus comes back to Bethany. Martha's still serving, by the way. But I get the sense that she's serving with a different heart. I get the sense that she's not troubled or worried or serving for serving's sake. Just to say that you serve. She's serving from a grateful heart. Because her brother's there. Her brother is alive. Her brother has been saved. He's received resurrection in life. And Martha is still serving because the heart of Martha is to serve. She loves to serve. And God, Jesus, didn't take that away from her. What he did take away was the wrong mentality. But he didn't take away the passion in the heart to serve. See, if you, like, if you like to serve, God doesn't want to take away the passion of you serving. He wants to change your mentality on how you look at serving. Are you with me? So Martha is still serving. but She's not complaining. She's not telling Jesus, is Mary going to help me? Is Lazarus going to help me? No. She's serving from a good heart, from a grateful heart. And guess who showed up? Besides Jesus, <laughs> Lazarus is there. Lazarus is there. That should put a smile on your face because the time before in, John, in, in Luke 10, Lazarus, not there. Now in John 12, Lazarus, and it says so beautifully, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him, with Jesus. Lazarus sitting at the table. Full of life now. Not sick. Not dead. He's been resurrected. He has life. And he's sitting with Jesus. I love that he's there. And I love that he's with Jesus. Sitting at the table with him. Having a little lunch. A little dinner. Whatever it was. A little brunch. I don't know. Chilling with Jesus. Oh, he, he's not going anywhere. He knows what's happened in his life. See, when you know what Christ has done in your life, you just want to be with him. You want to sit at the table with him and have a good meal with him. Lazarus sitting at the table with him. I love it. I love that. Let's keep reading verse 3. So it gets a little bit more detailed here. Then Mary, not this woman, Mary took a pound, a pound. Like when we buy perfume, there's nowhere near a pound that we buy. Okay? Unless you're like a millionaire or something. But a pound of, of perfume, that's, that's costly. Very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, 
and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled. Oh, the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, looky, looky here, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? One little note here. In Matthew, it said that Jesus went to the house of Simon the leper. Here it says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, gives the impression that that was Judas's dad they were visiting. Verse 6, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box. And he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always. But me, you do not have always. Amen? Seven things that I pulled from here that I want to go through, and we'll, we'll finish with this. And it, it will take us a little bit, but I want to get through these seven things. The first thing is that Mary gives to give and not to receive. Mary gives because she likes to give. She has a heart, a generous heart to give. She wants to give to Jesus. Remember the passage in the Bible that says, you gave me a drink of water when I was thirsty. You gave me a coat when I was cold. You visited me in jail when I was in jail. This is Jesus speaking. And they ask him, Lord, when did we give you water when you were thirsty? When did we, when did we visit you in jail? Anytime that you do this for any of my children, you do it unto me. It is better to give, the Bible says, than to receive. Mary has a heart to give to Jesus. When you give to others, you give to Jesus. Amen? So Mary wants to give. So she does. Number two, Mary has something to give. She has something to give. And I want you to know that you have something to give as well. That God has called you to give. Whether it be your time, your energy, your voice, your, your walking, your, your smile, your hugs to those in need, your money. God has given you something. You are not empty-handed. Amen. Amen. God has given you something to give, to give to others, to give to the Lord. You have something to give. Just as Mary had something to give, you have something to give as well. You are not without Mary was not without. Amen. She had something to give. One of the most profound things, which is our third point here, the most profound things that I want to camp on for just a few moments here is in the first verse. Can you put uh, John 12, verse 1, please? Okay, look at this. Six days before the Passover... Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. Then Mary anoints him, and Jesus says, she did this to prepare me for my burial. 
okay? <laughs> it's the six days before the Passover. Jesus died at the Passover. So when he walks into Bethany, he knows what's about to happen. But you know who else knew? Mary knew. Mary knew what was about to happen with Jesus. She knew the prophetic moment that was at hand. She knew the moment that she was living in. Not the season. Not the, not the you know, the, the dispensation. The moment. The moment that she was living in. A prophetic moment. Six days before Jesus is about to go to the cross, Mary anoints him with this fragrant oil to prepare him for his burial. See, when you are in connection with Jesus Christ, when you are in relationship and intimacy with the Lord, you know the moments that you're living in. The Holy Spirit will tell you this is such moment. When you're worshiping, when you're leading, when you're ministering, when you're, when you're leading a home, when you're leading at work, when you're leading in school, you got to know the moments that you're living in. And the only way to know that moment, that prophetic moment, is to be in deep connection and our ears fine-tuned to his voice so that we can know those moments. God wants to show you those moments. God wants you to know the moment that you're living in right now. Look at me, please. God wants you to know the moment that you're living in today, right now. Not the season. I'm not talking to you about season. I'm not talking to you about a, a space and time. I'm talking to you about right now, right now, God wants to tell you where you are right now. He wants you to know the prophetic moment right now. Because he wants you to respond to it. Not just information, not just so that you can know, but he wants you to respond to that prophetic moment right now. How will you respond? How will you respond? See, Martha's there, she's serving well. Lazarus is there. He's at the table with Jesus now. He's not running away anymore. But Mary knows the prophetic moment that they missed. He wants you to know. Six days before. Six days before, I'm going to go to Bethany. I know what's coming. The Passover is coming. The feast is coming. I'm going to go to Bethany because... Mary and I are connected heart to heart. Heart to heart. We're connected. She's after God's own heart. She reminds me of David. She truly reminds me of David. I never saw it like this before. I never saw Mary in this light, but she's so well connected to what God is doing. She yearns and has passion to do what God has called her to do and to be so fine-tuned and connected to heaven in that moment. She knows the moment. We must know the moment we're living in. We must know right now. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? We're, we're going to find out. We're going to pray and we're going to find out. What is the moment that you're living in right now? He wants to tell you. He wants to tell you. 
He wants to tell you so that you can respond the way you need to respond. If Mary would have brought water to Jesus in this moment, it would have been the wrong response. So we have to know the prophetic moment so that we can respond accurately. Since, since, he, since she knew the prophetic moment in this time, she knew how to respond. Jesus needed this fragrant oil to be poured all over him. He needed it. What does someone around you need that you would be able to discern the prophetic moment? Jesus could have came to Bethany and he could have left the same. But he didn't. He didn't leave the same. He left smelling good. Because <laughs> worship smells good. When a worshiper connects in spirit and in truth, it smells good. And the fragrance filled the entire house. The, the entire house smelled like Jesus. It filled the entire house. Everyone smelled like Jesus when they left from there. And this was not an alcohol-based perfume. It didn't last one day. This is oil. It's lasted a few days. Probably all six days. That we would know the moments that we're living in is so important. God doesn't want you to just to live, just to live. He wants you to realize that, man, he has so many great things for you. He has so many things that he wants to use you for. That you would know the season, the time, and the moment that you're living in. It was very costly is the next point. Very costly. It was something of value. See, when you know the prophetic moment, you know how to respond. And when you respond, you respond with something that's very costly to you. That you value very much. Maybe you value your time very much. Maybe you value your money very much. But God is asking you, what do you have of value that you can give in this response? She gave the most expensive thing that she can find. But it wasn't just because it was expensive, but because it served a purpose as well. It wasn't just of value in money, but it was value in, 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 in purpose. In purpose. You know, to make this, uh, what, what John 12 calls this spikenard, to make that, this fragrant oil, it was very costly. A nard was made from ingredients that came from India, that came from different places of the world. And, and merchants would bring those things into Israel and they would purchase these ingredients to make this fragrant oil, put it in an alabaster jar made of clay. They would cover the alabaster jar once filled up, seal it almost like cement-like uh, seal on the top, and they would keep it in the home for when something special was about to happen. And in order to access 
this expensive fragrant oil, you had to break the alabaster jar. So it wasn't just, let me pour some out and I'll pour some back in later. This was life-changing moment. This was something that she carried in her soul, in her heart, that she was about to let go unto Jesus. It was very costly. Abel, in the Bible, brought something very costly to the Lord as an offering. It's a principle that the Lord established since Genesis. The fifth thing was that she wiped his feet with her hair. Because beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. She wiped his feet. She poured it on his head. I'm sure all his extremities, his feet, his hands, his head, all of it was poured on him. Amen. She honored Jesus. This was Mr. Good News. Now the aroma was good. Amen. I can attest to it. It smells amazing. It was sweet to his nostrils. But let's talk about what smelling something good does. Let's not talk about what smelling something bad does to us. But when you smell something good, it relaxes you. It, gives, it brings this kind of rest to your soul and to your being. It makes you calm. You're like, wow, that smells good. Or when you smell food, right, you're like, ooh, that smells good. I'm going to tear that up, right? When you smell this oil, you smell it, and it's like it fills you with this relaxation. This was on purpose. It wasn't just willy-nilly, I'm going to pour some fragrance on the Lord. This was, had purpose. He was about to go to his death. And this smell brought relaxation. It brought comfort to Jesus. Amen? So let's read um, the end here for our last and seventh point. Verse 7 and our seventh point. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept the day of my burial. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not always have. And the Bible says in Matthew 26, 13, that everywhere that the good news would be preached, this woman would be talked about as a memorial to her. Amen? Worshippers don't make a difference. They make history. Worshippers don't make a difference. They make history. And that's what Mary was doing. She was making history. Not just a difference. She was making history, being remembered forever for responding in this prophetic moment. This woman left a mark in history for all mankind. All around the world where the gospel has been preached. If the Lord said it, it has been done. This woman has been talked about because of what she did in response to this prophetic moment. All over the world, they have seen this. Mary is after God's heart. She reminds me so much of David, as I said earlier. Willing to worship wherever. Willing to sacrifice anything. It's not a waste of time. You remember when David was dancing and he was kind of like in his undies a little bit? And he was dancing and uh, 
his wife, I forget her name, who cares, said, well, because of what she said, she messed up. She said, why, you know, why are you dancing like that? That's so dishonorable for a king. I'm, I'm so ashamed. She was saying, what a waste. What, a king would waste his time dancing that way. And David was like, oh, you don't get it. I don't care what you think. I'm going to worship God for the rest of my days. <laughs> Give God a hand. <clears throat> in spirit and in truth. Will we follow Mary's example? Will we understand the prophetic moments that we're living in? Will we respond how God wants us to respond? Will we find that response, that very costly response with purpose, costly with purpose, respond? Will we respond the way Mary did? She's been making one good choice after another because she's in connection with Jesus. She's not, she's not interested in the noise that's around. She's heart to heart with the Lord. She's saying, I'm, I'm following Jesus Christ. I'm going after Jesus. Even, even when things don't make sense and my brother was dead, I, I still went to Jesus to ask him to do something from my heart. Not from my head, but from my heart. Will we follow this woman's example? Will we respond the same way? Will we see the prophetic moment that we're living in? It's important for us. It's important. So let's ask God. Let's ask God today. How do you want me to respond in the prophetic moment? Is there something that I have that you want me to release like Mary did? And God will show you. Martha and Lazarus, they were like, okay, we're good now. And Mary's like, no, there's more. <laughs> Martha and, and Lazarus, they got, they, they're good in a good place. It's very comfortable. It's good. And Mary's like, no, no, there's more to this. There's more that we can do, more sacrifice, more worship. There's more. That's what God wants from us. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the L.A. area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.